This is 105.9 The Region, where parents talk and explore practical, proactive, and evidence-based solutions. This is Where Parents Talk with Leanne Castellino. Welcome to Where Parents Talk. My name is Leanne Castellino. Our guests today are parents whose youngest child was diagnosed with cancer. Carlo Koliakovo is a former NHL defenseman who spent almost 15 seasons playing for five NHL teams. He's currently the co-host of a radio show on TSN 1050. His wife, Gina, is a high school teacher. They're the parents of two young children. Carlo and Gina Koliakovo join us today from their home in Oakville, Ontario. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us, Leanne. Thank you. I'd like to start by asking you what the last few months have been like since June of 2022, when your son Leo finally completed his chemotherapy treatments. You want to answer this together? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We've been so grateful that the last few months have just been so normal, so focused on, you know, kids being in school and the weather and just so, just so typical for us. And we've been waiting a long time for that. So um, it's, it's been really nice to kind of come out of survival mode and get back to uh, life as we kind of knew it. Um, It's, it's been really normal for a couple of years, even though Leo's treatment went for so long. But once he hit maintenance, uh, a maintenance phase, things got really, they felt a lot more normal because there was less visits to the hospital, less, um, you know, less pokes and less visits and less, you know, less everything. It just seemed to be more normal for us. So we've kind of been in that stage for a while. Um, which has been nice, but since he finished treatment, not having to worry about giving medicine every night has been, oh, it's been so, so amazing. Yeah. And just to, you know, elaborate a little bit on what she said, it's been a celebration uh, for us because for three years, um, you know, and, and adding the pandemic to that, uh, there was a lot of tense moments, a lot of stress, uh, a lot of uneasiness, you know, with us because the pandemic heightened things around him and his and his health so just being able to persevere through that and overcome all that with flying colors and being able to just enjoy everything that life has to offer not just for us but for us as a family and him as a kid most importantly i think that's been the real excitement that we've been able to share these last couple months just being a kid again for him you know playing with his friends normally going to public places um, participating in sports again. It's, it's, it's been a big celebration for us. That's wonderful to hear. Let's go back a little bit. Leo is almost six years old now, and he was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia when he was just two years old. It's a type of blood cancer, also called ALL. When you look back on that moment, being given that diagnosis, what remains with you even now? I think we both share the same answer to this. Um, I think shock and devastation was um, the two big things that I think we both felt at the time because um, he didn't really show any signs of being really sick at the time. I mean, he was just battling with what normal kids go through. And then, um, you know, God bless my wife and her motherly instincts. Um, she was adamant to get more answers and took her, took him to 
McMaster's Children's Hospital, which was a saving grace for us. And after they did more tests, we ended up finding out, which is the news that not every parent wants to hear. But at the moment, at least, you know, we found out what we needed to hear at the time based on what he was dealing with. And to this day, when you think back, it still comes as a shock and obviously a devastation. Yeah, just I mean, just walking through the doors of a hospital for any parent is is scary. And, you know, when I went there, I he had just had a, a fever. He had a fever a couple of times that month, but he was also in daycare. So all kids are in daycare, get <laughs> fevers and get sick and get colds and stuff. Um, and a few things kind of lined up for us that day. The one walking clinic that I had brought him to a week earlier um, wasn't open until later that day. Uh, my family doctor back in Grimsby um, was not available until like 530. And even then it was like a nurse practitioner. So she wasn't even available. And so on my way to um, the hospital in Oakville, my mom messaged me. She's like, why not just go to McMaster Children's Hospital and, and just try and get some answers, you know, just go where it's for kids. So I went straight there. And it's so weird because I can remember every detail up until his diagnosis, up until the doctor first mentioned, like it could be leukemia. Every single detail is as clear as day in my mind. But after that moment, it's such a blur. I don't know what time Carlo got there. I don't know, you know, who we saw. I don't remember people's names. It was just such a crazy, unexpected, just dreadful day. It was just, it was excruciating, actually. And it just, I just remember. It's hard to digest, really, because we just couldn't believe it, what they were telling us. It really was because Leo was hardly ever sick. Like he had this cold, he had had like a a cough maybe back at just before Christmas that year. And so he was never sick. Plus, even at the time, even when he did have a fever and even when he was feeling sick, he was still playing. At and all still, the energy yes. Yeah, so it was so hard for us to kind of be like, wait a second. You know, and I remember saying to the doctor, this is Leo Koliakvo. Like, check over the paperwork, check over the blood work. Maybe it got mixed up. Like he's look at him. There's no way he has cancer. Yeah. So, and then, you know, of course they tell us that he needs a blood transfusion right away. And we're just beside ourselves. It was for, for the longest time, we couldn't even, even still to this day, sometimes, you know, I can't even say like Leo, when he had leukemia, it's always like Leo, you know, when he went through what he went through, mm -hmm. it's so hard to just even say that word when you associate that with your little two-year-old. You are listening to Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region. We are talking about coping as parents after a child's cancer diagnosis. Our guests today, Gina and Carlo Koliakovo, whose son was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of two. The latest statistics show that at least six children every single day in Canada will be diagnosed with cancer. And there are more than 10,000 children currently battling the disease in this country. When you recount your story, what do you now know that you wish you knew back then? Everything about leukemia. Yeah. You know, there was so much. It was a huge, steep learning curve. Um, you know, I feel like when you're a mom, you kind of think about, okay, fevers and coughs and runny noses and, you know, all these little things. Never mind that that can lead to a cancer diagnosis. And then all of a sudden, you know nothing. And so trying to absorb everything the doctors were telling us, um, learning about different medications and their side effects and all this kind of thing, it just, it was so, so overwhelming, so overwhelming. 
How did you go about navigating this new reality in those early days? Well, I, I, it took some time, um, you know, because we had to really digest everything. And you really found it hard to just communicate at the time because your heart is in your stomach. And I believe that, you know, with each day, with more information that we were being given and more that we were finding out about his diagnosis, it, it really just took time for us to come to a realization and a settlement once we had all the information on what life, on what life was going to be for him and for us moving forward. And once we got all the information, it's almost like we looked at each other and we said, okay, this is our new normal. We're going to take it on and we're going to beat the crap out of it. And we're going to do whatever we need to do to get Leo healthy again. And I, I must say, like, me and my wife have known each other a long time. And I always knew she had a great heart. And I always knew that she was going to be a great mother but just watching her embrace this and take it on upon her to know every little detail and take upon the responsibility that was needed on a day-to-day -day basis to make sure my son was getting everything he needed and just our family was getting everything we needed is why she's the person that she is and she's an unbelievable person an unbelievable mother and one day my son will learn to appreciate that because she really is the reason why he was able to get through this because as a two-year-old kid him being latched on to his mom the way that he was i mean it's hard to communicate with a two-year-old kid and and just the way we accepted the responsibility but the way she basically revolved her whole life around this new responsibility is something that I'm very grateful for, and we're both very grateful for, because we are where we are today because of her. Thank you. I um, yeah, it, uh, I definitely felt like I just kind of dropped everything. But I know, like in the beginning, I remember looking down at my body after the nurse had um, had talked to us, and I walked out of the room with her, and I was just walking down the hall, and I remember like looking down at my body. And like touching my legs being like oh my gosh she was talking to me like this is about my kid and every time i had that kind of out of body nightmare experience or feeling it just like hit home all over again what we were about to embark on like what we were just about to start and just filled me with like so much dread all over again in the beginning, it's a lot of information to, to process. It's a lot to absorb. But I think the way we approached it and, and, and like we approached it completely differently from the first seven days till the next seven days, because one, within the next seven days, once we figured out what the plan was, we basically said, all right, this isn't what we wanted, but this is what we were given. And we're going to take it one day at a time. One day at a time, don't focus on the finish line because hearing three, three and a half years of treatment, you're thinking, oh my God, this is forever. But really when you try to make the focus, when you do make the focus one day at a time, that's all you really need to focus on is getting through each day, making it comfortable for everybody during that day and the next day, and just 
you know, making sure that with each day you're making progress. The other part of the story that is so important to talk about is that while you're supporting your son who needs all of your attention, your love and your care, you also have another child to tend to. How did you go about supporting your older daughter? Yeah, Mia was only four years old. She was Mm. in junior kindergarten and I'm so thankful. My sister, it was on a Friday night that Leo was diagnosed and picked her up from school. My sister picked her up from school, took her for the weekend for a two night sleepover and she really had like no idea what was going on. Um, That allowed us to kind of sit with the information, listen to doctors in the first couple of days. And then we were able to come home uh, on the Sunday for a few hours, gather our things, pack a bag, that kind of stuff. We didn't know how long we were going to be in the hospital. And so when we saw her, um, I think it kind of came over both of us like, oh, gosh, like, what are we even going to say to her? She's Mm. four years old. She doesn't understand. We've never been more than, you know, I don't think at that time we had even been away for a night from our kids. So we sat her down. Carlo attempted to to say something and then just started crying. And I said to her, I said, Mia, you know, we have this Leo blood blood is sick. We talked to the doctors and they kind of gave us some age appropriate things to say. And we said, you know, Leo's blood is sick. We've actually been at the hospital all weekend and we've been talking to doctors and they're going to give him medicine to make him feel better. And um, I said, but we do have to go back to the hospital and we have to be there for a few days. And, you know, my mom was going to stay with her. Um, and she turned to us and she said, I will never forget. She said, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to be the best big sister. Mm. And I think in that moment, both of our hearts, like, I mean, grew exponentially, Mm. but also just kind of relaxed a bit. Like, oh my gosh, we we've done such a good job with her for four years that she's able to say something like that, to come to that kind of conclusion when we, you know, spring this news on her. Um, we tried to involve her as much as we can after that. She came to visit at the hospital uh, almost every day or whenever it was, you know, okay for her to come on good days, that kind of thing. Um, But during, uh, before the pandemic, we were able to bring her to every clinic appointment. So I tried to involve her as much as I could. We had to also be there early, so we wouldn't have been able to get her to school on time. So she just stayed with us for appointments. She played with Leo at the clinic so that she felt involved and felt part of whatever he was going through too. And so at the same time as he was getting attention, she was also getting some attention too. I'd go in the room with the doctor and Leo and Mia would stay and play with uh, my, my mom, uh, my sister, my, my dad, uh, Carlo. So whoever was kind of there, we, we all, I think we all took on the responsibility of making sure that Mia never felt left out. We struggled with that scenario in the beginning. We were like, how are we going to, you know, make Mia understand. And I think once the conversation was had with her and, you know, nothing really changed, it kind of went a lot smoother than we expected. It allowed us to sort of start coming to the realization of what our life was going to be like and everybody was going to be involved in, you know, in their own roles, whatever that may have been. And, and, I think the one thing that we are extremely blessed for is having great family around us because honestly, like, definitely couldn't have done it without any of them. It's time for a short break. More of Where Parents Talk in a moment. Stay with us. Want to learn more about the show? Email info at whereparentstalk.com. Stick around. 
Leanne Castellino and Where Parents Talk will be right back on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to Where Parents Talk. Listen live at 1059theregion.com. Here's Leanne Castellino. Welcome back. We are talking about childhood cancer. Every day in Canada, six children will be diagnosed with cancer. Our guests, Gina and Carlo Koliakovo, lived that stark reality three years ago when their youngest child was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of two. Before the break, we were talking about how fortunate you both feel for the support you received from family and friends as you grappled with your son's diagnosis and treatment. What could you offer to parents listening or watching who may be living a similar reality of being told their child has cancer? I think in our situation, the difficulty in the beginning when we first found out is we wanted to let family know, but it was hard because my twin brother was not around. He was on vacation and we didn't want word to get back to him or get to him while he was on vacation because we didn't want to create a sense of panic. Mm-hmm. So, But also being on the radio, we had family calling, like, why isn't Carlo at right. work? What's going on? There so, said anything. So a good week, it was holding the information within people close to us. And that was the toughest part because I believe we felt a lot better when we were able to share our story. Like once we got all the information and we started talking about it, I think it helped us start the, the, the process of rehabbing and the process of healing because we knew what we were dealing with. We knew that he had a positive diagnosis and we felt like the more we shared, the stronger we became because our support unit or our support team around us just grew even stronger. And, you know, when we started to share our stories, now more people are reaching out and sharing some of their own personal experiences and some of the positive outcomes that they come and some of the bot the battles that they had to deal with so it kind of helped us uh prepare a little bit more for what we didn't know what we were going to deal with so the advice i can give and i'm not sure she feels the same way is if you feel comfortable share your story share your story because you know, there's, there's like, like you mentioned before, there's so many people out there that either have been through it or know somebody that's been through it and talking and sharing advice or certain experience can be really healing. And the other advice that we had for each other was nothing else in the world matters. Mm-hmm. You know, what matters is the health of our son and making sure he gets everything he needs on a daily basis to be happy, to be comfortable, because The happier he was, the more comfortable he was, the more happy and more comfortable that we were. And so that that helped us get through every day, too, even though it it was challenging. And a lot of it was challenging for my wife because she took on the responsibility of the everyday comforting, the everyday medications, the talking to the doctors. And 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 that's she and she deserves an award for that. She really does. But. We were, we were only allowed to do all this because we allowed it to happen. We allowed people to, to share our story. We allowed people to, to come into our family. And, you know, we, we took a day by day approach with it and we said nothing was going to get in our way. So that's, that's the advice I can give people is take one day at a time and only focus on 
the things you need to do on a daily basis to make everybody around you comfortable. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that advice. I, I think in our case too, though, is that we totally just let Leo lead the way. And we were also so grateful. I know that this is not everybody's experience. We didn't really have a lot of setbacks and there weren't any real complications with Leo's diagnosis or treatment. So he did like laugh every day and smile every day and play every day. So for us that, I mean, how do you, I guess my advice would be to kind of let your child lead the way. And on mm -hmm. good days, you embrace those good times on harder days, you know, sit, drop everything, sit with your child. Um, and I feel like that kind of goes for like any illness, you know, it doesn't have to be just because your kid has cancer, but I think that's important for us as parents that we have to remember we're raising these little humans and when they come to times that are scary or, you know, uncertain or going through things that aren't their friends aren't going through, we have to kind of lead the way in our case, though, Leo led the yeah. way for us. You know, so I feel like he deserves the award. If anyone's going to get an award, he, um, I kind of feel like it, he kind of made that part easy for us, you know, the, to share what was going on. We were able to share lots of happy things. Um, or maybe I just turned a blind eye. I don't know. Well, no, even to this day, like he's completed his treatment. He's thriving in life. And I still get people asking me, how's your son doing? How's your son doing? And, and, and I feel ecstatic as a parent to say that he's doing amazing right and you know we're, we're we feel like we're blessed in that way because we did have a positive outcome with him but you know in any cases um even though you are given you know a, a positive outlook in the beginning you're you're not sure what type of challenges you're going to be dealt with throughout the path so um she said it best let him lead the way your son endured more than three years of treatments more than a thousand doses of chemotherapy. Can you paint a picture for us of what a typical day or a typical week looked like for your family during this time? I don't think we could have considered any day like typical. Every day was so different. Um, in the first eight months, there were lots of visits to McMaster Children's Hospital. There were different stages. The first 28 days, he was on a, a steroid that by week two, I think by the time we got home after two weeks, he was so miserable and he was, you know, putting on weight and we were making like bacon and eggs and sausages at like three in the morning yeah. a few times. I had to get up at three o'clock in the morning one time, make him a plate of pasta. Yeah. He was just <laughs> so what he wanted. demanding food. But, uh, you know, the, that's what the drug the does. Doing, right? Yeah. And then, you know, the second month was a, a different medication. The third month, third, third and fourth together were different medications. So in all, like there was, there was just, there, it was just so different. We had to keep a very detailed calendar of what medications he needed and when, and some were just for five days and some were three times a day. And it was so confusing, but we just tried to stay as organized as possible. Thank goodness for um, our awesome nurse, Joanne at McMaster, who really just kind of took us under her wing and she made sure that we stayed on track. And um, yeah, we, there's just so many medications, so many appointments. One of the great traits that my wife has is how organized she is I when try. it comes to perfection too. And, 
every month when we were given a new schedule, she would spend hours coming home and just creating her own schedule of stuff she needed to do because he needed what medication twice a day. Some month? twice a day, yes. Yeah. Some three times. And one, it, every once a week. And it was And it was all through an NG tube, right? So it was a liquid that she had to learn how to use a syringe, wear gloves take certain measurements and people would ask all the time, you know, what's you, he had to what almost two years wearing an NG mm -hmm. tube. And they would ask like, is, is that for feeding? And, and luckily for us, he never ever once stopped eating. And you can just imagine the challenges of a kid who's getting chemo, a young kid not eating right now. You're dealing with different challenges too. The, the, the NG tube was strictly for medication. And it was just because so that we don't have, we wouldn't have to fight them every day to give them the medication. Cause that was a challenge too, as a two year old kid, yeah. you know, try to give him a medication that doesn't taste well and that he doesn't like. Right. But the NG tube created a sense of sort of calm for us knowing that, okay, we don't have to fight him with it. We can just, or she doesn't have to fight mm -hmm. him with it. She can just give it to him when he needs to get it, which was every day, every day for three years, he needed a, a dose of chemo in him. And, once the tube was removed, we were able to get a pill and go pill form. And it, there was a lot of bribing and a lot of, um, you know, conversation around the benefit, trying to get him to move away from the tube because we wanted like the thing about him being a kid is that he's very playful with a lot of other kids. Him wearing a tube, there's always, you know, the concern of it popping out and then having to go to another hospital visit and stuff like that, where the pill, it's just, you know, it's orally and he gets to take it. And I felt like what, that was the final hurdle for us in his chemo stages. Once he was able to start going pill form, it was like he was a kid again you and like a full kid again, and, and you would never know. And I think the other difficulty for us with him was just the changes we saw in him from day one to day, I don't know, 365 in the first year. Um, because, you know, he's losing his hair, he's putting on weight, you're seeing the physical changes. That's hard. That's hard as a parent to see your kid go through that. but. You know, you stay on track, you stay prepared, you stay on schedule, like my wife was with him with his medications, and the, the it takes care of itself. And ultimately, through time, through effort, through sacrifice, you find a way to get through it. It's hard to believe when we look back and you say to yourself, holy cow, I can't believe we did that for three years. And, you know, you never want to say the, the pandemic was a blessing, but for us, it, it, it really was in the sense that we didn't have to make an excuse not to go any places because obviously the risk of his with his health we we limited ourselves from any you know public events any you know family outings because we were just primarily focused on making sure that he was in the right health situation every time gina and carlo what would you say that each of you learned about the other as parents as you were moving along this journey I learned how strong my wife is mm -hmm. and, you know, I can't imagine any parent, let alone a mother with two young kids having to go through the struggles that, you know, she had to go through, not just physically, but emotionally, the, the strength that she showed knowing that she was going to take this full on and she was going to make sure that he beat this thing. And it, it's really hard to describe, but honestly, I don't think if we had each other, we wouldn't be able to go through it. It was so hard to like first say the words to Carlo, like you need to come to the hospital. And then when I saw him come in and, you know, tears in his eyes, of course, in that moment, you kind of like, you just have to lean on each other. 
and you really don't have a choice of, you know, what, what the next step is. And so you go through it together and you learn together. I'm very grateful that I was off from my job as a teacher and that Carlo was able to continue to work for us and do what he loves because we also love watching him do stuff. He loves, we're still here. We're still doing the same job and we're at least, you know, back to kind of our normal lives too. Gina and Carlo Koliakovo, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us today. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. And that is this edition of Where Parents Talk. You can catch the podcast version on one of more than 50 different podcast platforms. I'm Leanne Castellino. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us next time. Sign up for Leanne's parenting newsletter and so much more at whereparentstalk.com. This is Where Parents Talk on 105.9 The Region.